I kind of went in with this idea of like, you know what, like this book club, it's going to be cool. It's mainly just like the one rule is you just got to read the reading. Um, but after that, like if the conversation goes in a completely different way and we're not even talking about the book anymore, like that's fine. Whereas freshman year me probably was like a little bit more upset about that. So I think it was just like a good maybe intersection of like time and opportunity and just like where I was at, I guess. Hi, my name is Alexander Wen, and I'm a fourth year student at the University of Washington and member of the Sigma Upsilon chapter of Delta Sigma Pi, a co-ed business fraternity. Within our chapter, we believe our organization is defined by our brothers and their willingness to pursue what they believe in. Each episode will bring you conversations with one of our brothers to share insights, explore their interests, and hopefully have a few laughs along the way. For our debut episode and mini-series, we'll be focusing on the topic, What COVID-19 Taught Me About Blank. Today, we have Katie Chua, a recent graduate of UW and founder of DSP Book Club, as well as Smriti Sudeep on the show to speak about how our global health crisis has changed the way we read, communicate our thoughts, and at the end of the day, perceive the world. So the purpose of this episode is to talk to Katie Chua and then Smriti, who is also a member of Book Club. And we kind of wanted to highlight this as a part of our What I Learned from Quarantine series and kind of dive into how Book Club has connected us and galvanized conversations and relationships within DSP and like, you know, the stories behind that. So I guess my first question to Katie was, what was the moment where you decided you wanted to start DSP Book Club from the inception? Like, you know, was it someone who encouraged you to do it? Or was it something that you've always wanted to start within like any organization? Yeah, so um, book clubs are a very fun, I guess, activity or thing to do. And it's one of my favorite things um, to start. And actually my freshman year, I started one with my dorm. Uh, But it was not, it was like, it was interesting. I think I learned a lot from that experience because it was mainly with my like, you know, everyone has those freshman fall quarter friends, uh, which is what I like to call them. And I like, that was kind of the primary group. And it was more about the social aspect, I think, of like meeting up with people and like getting a talk than uh, the book. Like that's kind of more of why people came, which is fine. But I was like still navigating, like finding that good like balance between, you know, are we still like focusing on the book and like kind of like taking things from it or are we like just like chatting? And while I'm not saying like you can't do one without the other, because I think what makes a good book club is like that really good balance. Um but I was just still figuring that all out. And so I actually like kind of was just like, okay, like that was cool and all, but I think like it honestly caused me quite a bit of stress because I, at the time, just like as a freshman, I think I just had like big ideas and plans for it. And I always had like a lot of expectations. And so I kind of just stopped doing it. And then, um, sort of like told the people that like reading books in a group and like, kind of like having to organize a book club was, um, a bit stressful. And so I think my sophomore and most of my junior year, instead, kind of what I did more was like reading books with one other person and getting to like talk about it or recommending books um, to people and then like 
really encouraging a conversation to start once they finished it. Um, and so in terms of DSP book club and how that got started, I do remember the exact moment of when its inception occurred, which was when Nathaniel, another member and president at the time, uh, we were getting lunch. And then afterwards we got ice cream at Frankie and Joe's in Capitol Hill. Um, and we were eating like our ice cream and he, we just had this meeting and I actually missed the meeting. Um, but the meeting was this goal setting one (laughs) and I wasn't able to go, but he was telling me that, um, the point of this meeting, right, was like everyone had to write goals for, I think, the new year or not the new year, like the new quarter. Um, and everyone then kind of like shared their goals. And like if a lot of people, I don't know, and you were kind of trying to find like an accountability buddy and like things like that. And I thought that was a really cool idea. But he was telling me that a bunch of people's goals were to read was to read more and to read more books specifically. And then he just asked, he just like straight up said he was like, we have our meeting room. Uh, for another hour after our like chapter meetings. And he's like, and we just like have that room available. Would you want to like start a book club with DSP? Um, And honestly, like having a location was like half the work that like I hated doing when I first did a book club my freshman year. So when he said that, like, I felt like that was the perfect in into a book club. And then I just like started excitedly like talking about it with him. And we were kind of like bouncing ideas off of each other. I was like, you know, asking questions like how often should we meet? What types of books do you think I should just like figure out like which books we should read or should I like make it a bit more democratic and like that kind of stuff. And then I like had this, I pulled up the notes app on my phone. I think I still have it. And like, I was just writing down like all the ideas, how often we would meet um, and getting really excited about it. And so that's kind of, yeah, how it started. So with that being said, do in that moment, kind of after you started the book club, um, a couple years earlier and felt frustrated or tired of it. Do you think just that moment, do, was there any hesitation in that moment to take another stab at it? Or do you think the excitement kind of into like the inception of book club? Yeah, I think I definitely did have hesitation. And um, honestly, like if Nathaniel wasn't the one to first prompt it. And then also he was like a, probably like a huge integral part of like, just really encouraging me, um, which like to this day, I still, um, really appreciate and like often like credit him for like the start of book club. Cause like, I don't think, um, I would have been as excited about it without like his support, but I definitely had those hesitations where I was kind of like, I don't know, like at first I was like, Oh, that does sound really cool. And I would love to start a book club, um, and get people reading. And I was like, but I remember like, I often felt really stressed out and like just wanting to make sure that everyone enjoyed it. And like, I had all these like kind of big expectations. I was like, do you really think people would want to do it? And he was just like, no, I really think like this chapter could like use the accountability and um, discussion. And he was like, and it could just be really cool. And he was just like, like, trust me, I think it would be really well received. Um, And so I think that encouragement kind of galvanized me and made me feel like, okay, yeah. And then like also probably just like with a little bit of time and like some age, like, I just stopped caring so much in the sense of like, there didn't need to be these expectations and there didn't need to be all of this stuff. And, um, I kind of went in with this idea of like, you know what, like this book club, it's going to be cool. It's mainly just like the one rule is you just got to read the reading. Um, but after that, like if the conversation goes in a completely different way and we're not even talking about the book anymore, like that's fine. Whereas freshman year me probably was like a little bit more upset about that. So I think it was just like a good 
maybe intersection of like time and opportunity and just like where I was at, I guess. Um, and it felt like something of like a really cool way to, to get involved and do something within DSP, especially because I had just joined then. Um, and it kind of, I was feeling a little bit like, okay, I'm now in this like, you know, giant group of people. And I went through the whole pledging process. Like what's my place and book club really felt like a good way to uh, figure that out. Yeah. And I mean, I remember we did have a conversation. You were like stressed about like, oh, what book should we do next? Like, what will people think about it? And I think like that's kind of the process of figuring out. And like personally, like I would be just, oh, you know, like call a shot, pick a book, like <laughs> just like have people roll with it. Um, but I did want to go back to the idea of accountability. And I wanted to ask Smriti, kind of like I know that you and Ben read together a lot and had a lot of conversations. And Ben is another member of DSP book club. Could you like talk about kind of the accountability, whether that be kind of like premeditated or it was kind of just how just like reading and conversation kind of drove you to like read together and talk about it even outside of book club? Yeah, definitely. I think that kind of going back to what Katie was saying um, at the beginning of how she started this book club and then she kind of went off and did individual readings with people like read one one-on-one I think that at first when Katie started DSP book club I was hesitant to join just because I hadn't read in such a long time and I wasn't even sure I could properly process like quote unquote like the the literature that we'd be reading or discuss and contribute properly but over that summer I reached out to Katie and I had asked her for a list of book recommendations. And I, I can also feel like I credit that experience to maybe our personal relationship, me and Katie, just because I would text her every time I finished a book, like, oh my God, like this happened. Like, I can't believe it or, you know, whatever. Um, and that helped cultivate a relationship between the both of us. And I think that's kind of the similar thing that happened between me and Ben or just me and other members of book club. As someone who... <laughs> it likes to like discuss and talk a lot. I'd be like, Oh my God, did you just finish the chapter? Um, and we would just like have a little conversation about it. And I think that excitement was part of the accountability almost like, Oh, like this plot twist, or like this concept, like, isn't that weird or isn't that like whatever our reaction was. And even though that isn't maybe the accountability of like a date or a deadline, it was more just like wanting to be included and create conversations within each other. And that having that environment of book club, having all of us kind of go through that same reading experience, especially with Severance, which Katie, I thought was a great choice for spring quarter, by the way, because it was so relevant to things that we were all experiencing as a, like a DSP community, as like a global community almost. And that helped cement a lot of relationships that I think maybe would have been lost during quarantine or just not as strong. I guess like just right now it really solidified for me that like people are talking about this book like separately and like I like and it's really cool because like that's just like my biggest goal I think with book club is like books and fiction particularly my my big thing with this book club was like we only read fiction I think you know the type of people in DSP love reading nonfiction and love reading like a business book or a self-help book but I think fiction <laughs> I think fiction yeah no so much. yeah I was like maybe not you too um <laughs> But like fiction just has so much to give. And I think um, a lot of people think, you know, it's kind of like silly or just like, oh, like it's not productive or whatever. Um, but 
the conversations that you can have from a plot twist, from a character, I think can be really, really meaningful. And so that makes me really excited that that was that was your experience, at least, Murphy. And it's kind of funny because I feel like me and Ben didn't honestly have much of a relationship before quarantine, which is weird because this is like the time that we spent probably like most apart. But I think because of, I think in the time of quarantine, having something to talk about that wasn't politics or public health crises or like how stupid online school was and just having a talk about that like was out of ourselves was so helpful and beneficial because it was it's like watching a show together reading a book together there's like exterior things that we can talk about and relate to yeah and I mean I think I felt kind of the same way where I always explain my reading style as escapist and I try to like escape from the world (laughs) and like experience something or kind of like read about and like visualize something that isn't me and isn't through my perspective. And I think even through like, you know, we are living in the pandemic and like severance was about the pandemic and like all that type of stuff. And like, maybe it was just like the right time with like the puzzle pieces aligning. But I think it's really more about like the conversation that comes from the book rather than the premise of the book or some people might think like the themes or like the motifs in the book it's really what comes from that and like I think it's entirely productive because I think you know like kind of the goal of life for me and like maybe for other people as well is really like gaining perspective and I think like listening to people's thoughts and accepting that wholeheartedly is kind of a way to go about that and I guess I wanted to ask you both this question and like it kind of like ties in where it's like everyone is in this global health crisis and, you know, everyone's been pondering ideas and have a lot of time to think and, you know, you're stuck at home. And is there a realization that you've had recently or specifically, I guess, like during book club that has made you look at the world differently and whether that be like a large idea or something as small as like, oh, I noticed this one thing or, you know, like, every single time I experience this, this thought pops into my mind. Like I've had several, but you know, like I wanted to hear what you guys have to say with regards to that. Smith, if you want to go for it, if you know. Yeah, I can kind of start it off. I think this might be like a multi-part answer that we keep bouncing back and forth with. But I think outside of book club last summer, when I finally started reading again, and I was a huge reader when I was, like in elementary school, um, just like very much into it. And it kind of faded out as I got older and more into like social stuff um, in like high school, middle school, stuff like that. So last summer I really started reading a lot more. And something that I found that I, not that this was new information, but the experience that I was having was that a lot of these emotions that I had felt growing up going through my life experiences felt very isolated I felt like I'm the only person who has ever experienced like this combination of events in my life like I am the only you know Smriti Sadeep that's actually true I am the only Smriti Sadeep but that's besides the point um but it's like it felt like isolating like I'm the only one who understands these experiences and when you read these novels not that they're the same experiences as you but it's just kind of like a supercut of every like the author's experiences or your if you write your experience in that moment and I think that realization that oh we've experienced similar things even though they're a little different 
and it, it's just kind of like a snapshot of like that timeline, that perspective and the time that you're writing it in, that almost has helped me process a lot of, it's not necessarily about the global pandemic, but more about the civil rights movement that's happening right now. And a lot of the conversations I've been having with friends, family, family, friends, where they say things and I realize that that is a, that is their truth, you know, even though if it doesn't perfectly align with what you're saying, it's still their perspective and their honest perspective. And you can align on some things and you may not, but I think uh, things that I used to do before is completely re- rejected. Someone tried to like give me their advice or give me their perspective. I'd be like, no, you don't understand. Like it is nothing like what I'm going through. Like, again, I'm this like unique thing that no one has ever had my life experience, but that's partially true. But a lot of the emotional things are still intact. And I think I learned that through reading severance or even having book club to discuss different interpretations of severance and what people were focusing on. So something that I found myself focusing on when reading that book was like the immigration relationship and that like immigrant daughter's guilt that Candace had a lot, um, which is something that I was like, Oh, I, I know about that. Um, but then like having coming into like the meeting think about okay like we're going to talk about immigration right and then it would just go off on like capitalism or like public health crisis and like oh wait this is you know every event is multifaceted so I think that helped me accept other people's perspectives as their own truth nothing is wrong or right everything is just perspective I guess yeah I'm really glad you started off with that because it kind of I was thinking about as you were talking um about something that I had recently listened to on a podcast. And it also, I was thinking about it when Alexander was talking about like escaping um, and kind of reading as a way for escapism. But I had listened to this podcast. It's actually the same one that I emailed you, Smriti. Um, Not the same episode, but, and also Alexander, I recommended it to you. It's Versus, uh, VS, the one about poetry and writing. And the one that had been kind of sticking in my mind is with, it's the episode with Morgan Parker and in it, she kind of starts talking about how like they make a lot of cracks at her because she's like super like not on social media. And um, she's talking about how like kind of like where she finds like a lot of perspective and stuff is like looking in the past and looking at history. Um, and then one of the hosts kind of uses this term that I really liked where it was like relieving your loneliness through history. And then another um, host was like, I really like that idea. And then she used this word abundance. And she's like, there's an abundance of company if you just look to the past. And then Morgan Parker, the poet, she was like, she kind of used this example. She's like, how can I be lonely if Sun Ra existed? Um, and lately with quarantine, you know, we've been reading a lot. I, um, and also with the current like protest and movement, I was reading Chains of Babylon, which is like specifically a history of Asian American activism. And like during the civil rights era of the 1960s. And as I was reading this, I just kept thinking about this, like, I was just so inspired first off by like all the actions that these students were doing and that they were like fighting for like a lot of things that we're still dealing with now and, you know, grappling with what it means to be like, what, what is a pan-ethnic Asian identity? What does it mean to be Asian in America? Like all these like questions, right. That like I have dealt with a lot. And I got, I kept thinking to myself, like, how can I feel lonely 
if these people existed once in history and they were like doing this work and like you read about like the coolest people, like there were like these three, um, people who like started a band and like one of them was like first like a ballerina and like was like one of the first yeah it was just like kind of wild to me and I was like what is the story but like if you really look into history like people have lived crazy lives and it is really easy to fall into like what Smurthy was talking about where it's like no 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 I am the most unique person ever like I have the craziest life like no one else gets it but it's like no like so many people have existed before us living these really different lives from us but also in some ways like you know grappling with so many of the same emotions and thoughts and questions and feelings and then to go back to Alexander's point about escapism I've found that like you know the more specific a story is and especially in fiction um the more it rings true and it's interesting because like when a story or an author tries to be more universal it just like doesn't hit you're just like okay sure but then like a very specific story um like let's say severance like I did not move to New York like Candace or like you know like and like I didn't date this person and blah, blah, blah. Like, and it's a very specific thing, but there's so many other components of her life in which you can be like, I do understand that. And I think that's just what like empathy is, right. Is like being able to figure out like what hits <laughs> like your life from somebody else's perspective, even if it's not the exact same, but I think that's also just, yeah, another benefit of reading fiction. I really truly think it makes you much more empathetic as a person um, because you're delving into someone's mind and story. And just, I was going to say, this is actually, I didn't realize this, but as we're going through this conversation, I gave this advice to my mom literally two days ago because there's some family drama between like her and her and her mom right now. So my grandma and she was talking to me about it and she was like referencing one of our like close family friends. She's like, she gets along so great with like her in-laws and her mom. Like no one like has such a relationship like, like, you know, this and like, you know, it's always so difficult. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't think that's true. Like, and especially I think in the Indian American community where we only highlight our, you know, our most positive things. And now that's, in this situation, like my mom feels so isolated, like no one has this type of relationship. Like no one is, everyone has like a stellar relationship with like their in-laws and parents, but I don't. And then she starts to feel like, like it's a painful situation, but then even more isolated because you're like, oh shit, no one's even been through this. But, and I was saying this to her, I'm like, well, um, it's because we don't talk about it. Cause like, it's not like you're calling up like said family friend. You're like, oh, so this is happening. You're keeping it to yourself too. So maybe they're just keeping everything to themselves and that's why I think that exactly like listening to other people's perspectives reading books things like that it it does make you more empathetic even if it doesn't directly relate to you know your quote-unquote like super unique experiences that make you who you are they are just we're all just like different versions of the same thing and Mm -hmm. Katie in the quote that you included in your newsletter last time it was about the arrival right and does the ultimate landing place exist or are we always arriving always falling faltering flying just to land once more and then fall again and when I was reading this I was like oh life is just a giant trampoline house and this is the photo that I sent Katie describing it I don't know if you guys can see it it's like the trampoline houses that have like all the little (laughs) squares right and I and I sent it to one of my high school friends too because we've been having conversations about life and I was like, you could jump on any square in the trampoline house and your 
your feeling is going to be pretty similar. You're going to like have that like adrenaline, like you're going to like drip or, or dip. You're going to like jump up. Like it's going to, it's the same motion, even though they're different trampoline squares. And I feel like we've chosen one trampoline square. We're like, this is the best trampoline square. Like you will get the most bounce out of this, but it's not even true. Like literally every tramp, you're going to feel sad. You're going to feel happy. You're going to feel like your spectrum of emotions, no matter what you do or what experiences that you have. It's like, why are we like, why have we sectioned off this one trampoline square? And like, we were personally talking about like consulting and we're like, why is this like the, the trampoline square, you know, like why there are so many other ones at this whole park, you know? Um, and that's how I almost feel about just like reading and life. Like you're reading about someone else's trampoline square, but it's the same, it's the same bounce, you know, like you're still going up and down. I mean, that wasn't, that was actually a great tangent. Um, it makes me think, like a lot of even like your mom, like, I guess I have two thoughts, but I'll start with like the first one. I think I talked to Katie about it before, but I took a class at UW called mythology and film. And it was in the classics department. And we looked at all these, you know, like olden myths and like, you know, like Oedipus and like Hercules and the Odyssey and like all these things. And we, we analyzed kind of their story and how they've been, turn into films but kind of the one thread that ran through it all was this idea of catabasis and i won't get into like all the specifics you can read read on it if you want but it's really like the story of like tragedy and a tragic hero and the idea of it is really you're constantly being um like born and reborn and maybe that's a day-to-day basis maybe that's a week-to-week basis maybe that's a quarter-by-quarter basis and that version of say like 2019 KD is very different from you know like the 2020 January KD and the <laughs> February KD and like all that type of stuff right so i think it's i think through reading and kind of like the perspective that that class gave me it taught me how to storytell and mm. how to look at different stories in this almost the same way And I think within that structure, I could kind of know how to tell my story, but also understand how people are reborn and how people are learned. And I think like that is just like a metaphor, like a direct metaphor for life and like how we go about our own days. And sometimes we look at these, you know, these novels as, oh, I can't relate to that. But in reality, it is really just the struggle and the learning of life. At the same time, I don't really know if it's, you know, us making sense out of nothing or trying to find patterns in something that is entirely random. But I'm going to find a quote that I really like um, that I think kind of I don't know if it would be kind of what you're talking about, but it's actually interesting because I had this conversation. I had a conversation this morning with a friend and, you know, we're talking about, I think, like environmental conservatism and like things like that. And I think I made some like kind of passing comment of like, if this planet didn't have like trees and the ocean and blah, 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 like, I don't know if I would want like my future generation, like a future generation of humans to like live on that planet. Like I was like, that's not even like life at that point. And then she was like, well, what is like living for you? And what's the point of living for you? And I was like super stumped by that question. Cause I was just like, Oh, like, and I was like thinking, you know, about like present things that I enjoy right now. So I would be, you know, like good food, good conversation, um, good books and like that kind of stuff. But I was like, is that like what I 
is that what living is in general? Is that why I choose to live? Is that, I don't know, you know, there's so many ways to take that question. And at one point she reminded me, like she was talking about something else, but I remember a long time ago or not a long time ago, but I guess 20, maybe a 2019 Katie came across this idea of like, I think at one point I kind of was like tinkering with the idea that like the meaning of life, or I don't know, like the point of life is that we die because like we got to this point, me and my friend about how like literally every living thing, the one thing in common is that it's going to die. And that reminded me of this quote that I have really loved for a long time. And it's by my girl, Toni Morrison. Um, and she said like, we die, that may be the meaning of life, but we do language that may be the measure of our lives. And so what you were saying, Alexander, about how, you know, is writing and is storytelling just trying to make sense of a meaningless world? Probably, perhaps, you know, but like that doesn't take away how we measure our lives, which is like what Morrison was kind of saying in terms of like, in the end, I'm kind of like, I would still rather have that, this like making sense of a senseless world than to not have it. And at that point, I don't know, like, I will just say, I guess personally, like, I'm still grateful for like all these, you know, stories and things that we tell ourselves to kind of make ourselves feel better. And even if it's like, well, that's not life or like, you know, the universe doesn't work that way. At least we still have them, I guess. Like, I wouldn't want to live in a world without these stories. That question that you asked, Alexander, reminds me of a journal prompt that I did a little bit ago. Let me find it. And it was, and I can't remember the author's name, but she writes for the New York Times. And she's been doing this series called Isolation Journals, where she just releases a journal prompt every day. And I haven't been doing them, like, diligently, but just like this one night I was you know, just, just feeling it. Um, and paraphrase prompt was think about a motif in your life, whether an obsession or a recurring theme within your life. An example she gave was like tucking your hair behind your ear all the time. Just something that's recurred like a motif in your life, write about it and consider if there's meaning or if it just makes things seem more meaningless. And that was a really interesting exercise to go through because it's like you said, like, are we just searching, like just shifting, like, you know, through everything like, Oh, maybe these things connect. Maybe th this is the way it's supposed to be arranged. Like, are we just like doing this and there's not actually a purpose? Like, is everything just meaningless? And so I was writing and then I wrote about one of my favorite childhood my favorite childhood activity was riding my bike. I rode my my rode my bike all the time. Like there used to be this Fourth of July parade that was like you know the pinnacle of my childhood career because like we would like decorate our bikes and like it was just so much fun. Um, so I wrote about that and while I was writing, I'm like, oh, I guess it kind of reflects how I approach my life or where I think I am like as a 19 year old student. I'm like, it's slow enough to enjoy the views, but it's still like kind of like has momentum and speed. It's like semi-productive, but it's not like, it's still leisurely. And I feel like that's how I'm enjoying going through life right now. But then like I texted Steven, who's another person in DSP. And I was like, just random. Like, what was your favorite childhood toy? You know, like, and he was like, okay, Legos. I'm like, do you think you can connect that to how you approach life? Like something about your life? And he was like, he connected it more to his like personality traits. And then he's like, Smithy, can't you just connect everything from your childhood to somehow you're in the present? And I was like, 
I mean, honestly, yeah, but I think what that kind of like snarky comment helped me realize is that I think these like different connections that we make, like we're not trying to say this is God's law. Like whatever your childhood favorite activity was, that reflects your approach on life. Like, and that is it, you know, I'm just saying it's a cure. I'm just curious to know, like, maybe it is, but maybe it's not like it. I just like to go down these paths. And I think that kind of connecting it back to book club and conversations and stuff like that, even if you see, if it seems like you're making connections and like, they're not even real, but like, what's the harm in that? It's just kind of fun, you know, like maybe, me biking as a child has reflected who I am today. And maybe I just was an active child who had too much energy. And both are fine options, but there's no harm in just kind of exploring random connections and having conversations about that. Cause I think that is what sparks connection. So I don't know. (laughs) And I think that's kind of too, like one of the driving points of literature. Like why do people write? Like we're all just like, trying to make sense of things and connecting things and saying like this led to this or like this makes sense because of this and whether it's true or not it kind of goes back to what you were saying Smithy earlier about like that's your truth or like that's yeah that's your truth and then in that way then they're just sharing that truth and then tying it all back full circle I guess like you know and then we're all just like looking for other people's perspectives and if you want to think about things in that way and figure out what makes sense to you like what's the harm in that I think one harmful mentality that does come from it and something that I probably was in until like maybe a week ago or something was that I had to be absolutely sure that like whatever theory or connection or perspective that I had like that was foolproof and I couldn't find ways to that it would be wrong Mm. but now I'm realizing that if I approach it more as like a leisurely thing, like, oh, maybe these are connected, that helps take the seriousness away from it almost. You yeah. know, like searching that's, for too much meaning and meaning it almost becomes like redundant. That's true. There's probably definitely, yeah, a harmful way of like, yeah, reading maybe too much into something or like trying to see something that's just not there. And at that point, you're just going to get disappointed or it's going to fall flat on or short of your expectations. Um, but it's also, yeah, being, I think, kind to your thoughts and yourself and like also understanding that everything is like just constant, like nothing is permanent. Everything's pretty transitory and fleeting. And that includes your perspective. That includes the theory that you might hold. And that includes yourself and how you're feeling. And it includes your memories. Like every time we remember something, it's probably a little bit different. Um, and it also changes how you view that certain memory. And so like, Yeah, maybe it's kind of trying to remember that nothing is permanent, including the theory you might make up or the connection that you find and build. Um, But like, that's just another facet of life. I guess at the beginning of book club, I remember, you know, you talked about how you were stressed about how everything would go and how people would react. And I think a question for you is, is there anything that you wanted people to come out of book club with? And has that changed? And like, how has that morphed into like how you feel right now? I think my biggest thing kind of always when I've wanted to start a book club is like, I really wanted people to reflect more. And I think books is one of the best ways of like a jumping point off of that, because you can kind of, you know, gear a lot of questions about other people and about reflecting of yourself 
through books, like, oh, Candace did this. Do you agree with her actions or not? Or like, what do you think would go through your mind if you were in this like situation that this character is in, in the book? Um, and I feel like, yeah, I just think books is one of the best ways to do that. At least that's what I found for me. And then like having that conversation can be really helpful. And it's kind of like what Smurthy was saying, like it's like an external thing um, or like point of media in which you can kind of like be talking about things um, that isn't like just founded on, I don't know, like random thoughts. Like you kind of have the book to ground you and um, maybe that's just like my English major coming out. But I think the other thing too that I really wanted from book club is just like, and like one of my goals in life in general is just always to encourage more reading. Um, that's why I really love giving book recommendations. That's why I often talk about what I've been reading. Cause I really like hope it like spurs people to be like, Oh, that sounds interesting or something like that. Um, and like why, um, I just think like conversations based around like what you've been reading has always been really helpful because I think reading just gets really lost. There's so many other forms of entertainment. Um, I had time in the book publishing industry and like, you know, not the best industry to be in right now, but like they would always kind of be talking about how books have kind of books for a while in the public was its own sort of like thing. And now it's become just another form of entertainment and we're competing with not other book publishers, but we're competing with TV shows. We're competing with movies. We're competing with, you know, all these other experiences that one can do because it's mainly, it's like a leisurely time activity, at least in the sense of like novels. And if your job isn't like, I don't know, like a book reviewer or whatever. And so I think though that like that changes a lot of things and like what we're missing um, in life is the kind of calm and quietness that comes from reading. And also my favorite word, the inefficientness of it, because it is, you know, a major task and it's much larger than one article and it's involves different parts of your brain than watching a movie. And I think like all of us could just benefit a lot more from reading. So I think I just wanted to introduce that in a way of like, you know, but let's do it in a group together. Let's do it in a place where you don't feel stupid for like not having understood something or like, let's do it in a place where whatever question you have, like you can ask other people. And I think those were kind of my primary goals with book club and they still are. And I think what I have found at least like in terms of like progression as well, as I've gotten farther in like my college career and also like in my like English classes was I found myself taking a bit more control of book club. Whereas in the past it was, you know, very like you guys lead it and like ask the questions that you want to. And I still hope that people feel like they can ask whatever questions they want and I can sort of support that. But I've also found myself taking a little bit of a larger role, at least like with Severance specifically in spring quarter um, and a little bit of Song of Solomon in winter quarter was just like, I had a really fun time sometimes like bringing in things that I learned from my English classes. And it felt a little bit like I got to kind of share and or like do the things that I've seen my English teachers do, which is like bringing in, you know, something else that they have read uh, to support someone else's point or to like ask a question to the rest of the group based off of like one person's interpretation of the novel so I guess that was like one change that I saw within myself in book club and then kind of to like add on to Katie's point about putting yourself in the book like oh what what did you think about what this character did or what mm -hmm. would you do if you were this character I think that that and kind of the point that you brought about of how it book reading allows you to empathize better with people and I was having this conversation with my friend 
as he's saying, I always cry more um, on like book movies versus like regular movies. And I'm like, because you read the book and you, you, it's at your own pace, you are able to empathize with these characters. And I think that especially in this world situation with civil rights, global pandemic, something that we all really need right now is empathy. And I saw myself even having this reflection and it wasn't in a book setting, but I did Camp Kesem last week and I was, which is a camp for um, children whose parents either have cancer or have passed from cancer. And I was one of the counselors for the six to seven age group. And we were having this like deep talk session, right? And then one of the seven year olds just started crying and he was like, this camp really helps me like work through the hard emotions. And in that moment, I was like, oh my goodness, like, I just want to give you a hug. I just want to like give you a lot of love. And then I like was thinking about that in the evening. And I was like, I like add the third party. I'm like the reaction I want to give is love. But then when you put yourself in your own shoes, then I'm like, why have I not like been so kind to myself in situations like that, where maybe a third person would be like, you need love or you need to relax. But I've been like, you know, and I think that's something we can all gain through book reading is trying to put ourselves in other people's shoes, trying to learn empathy and being more empathetic toward each other, because in any point of your life, we're going to need it. But I think especially now, since we're all socially isolated, there's no need to be emotionally isolated as well. Whilst we didn't get to talk directly about COVID-19 as much as we planned during the interview, what we got out of it was a greater sense of empathy. At all times, and especially with a time right now with COVID-19, Black Lives Matter, and much more in our community, conversations like these give us more of a bearing on the world. Whether it be through Skype or Zoom, before or during our world's pandemic, as a chapter, we're all able to have conversations and stay connected with not only our feelings, but the sentiments of others. What Katie and Book Club as a whole represent is an unwavering willingness to listen, understand, and connect not only with the characters in our books, but more importantly with the people in our lives. On our next episode, I'll be talking with Amara Lay, a rising fourth year and member of the Mew class. We'll be talking about her personal project called The Post Project, a mail and letter-based outreach driven by her love of stationery and the fact that there's no such thing as too fast especially in a society that revolves around instant gratification. We'll also touch on how the project has grown and evolved before and during the pandemic. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening, and again, this has been Dia Speaks. Talk to you soon.